swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine IMDb's top 250 and anger a million people without bad faith arguments. My name is Johannes. And my name is Raji. Today we're talking about another film on that list. Christopher Nolan's second movie, Memento. Memento was released on September 5th, 2000, to glowing critical acclaim and surprisingly strong per-theater box office numbers. Hello, audience. Write this down lest you forget. Leave a review for this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Yes, give us the thumbs up. Uh, don't give us the thumbs down this time. You know, this, this is going to be a great show. Uh, <laughs> tell your friends about us. Uh, you know, give us feedback. Tell us how we're wrong, how we're right, and how insane our arguments are. All the things. Raji. What's the next movie on the list? No. <laughs> what? Uh, Did you forget I, we haven't even recorded the podcast yet? I'm going back, back backwards and forwards, you know. <laughs> um, what makes you happy today, my friend? Uh, I saw the new Spider-Man film um, uh, across the Spider-Verse, and I was pleasantly surprised by the risk they took and how awesome the movie ended up being. So mm. I, I think um, I had an, I've always had arguments with my friends about you know the quality of Sony movies versus MCU films, and the fact that Sony keeps making the best Spider-Man films mm-hmm. gives me gives me joy. Not that I'm, I'm a show for Sony, but I, I do like their checks. <laughs> a little bit of a show, but that's fine. <laughs> I've been there. Um, <laughs> so uh, what gives me joy? I saw a great movie as well. Um, I saw Showgirls, Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls mm. in the theater. I had a great time. Uh God, that movie is weird. <laughs> it's just so... Have you seen it? No, I have not seen okay. it. Okay. So it's it's basically like a female version of Magic Mike, but with all the ghost goes around that, right? So it's not like the this, there's a lot of sleaze around it. Um, okay. But then tonally, it's, it's super weird. Like there's... It, like it tries to be serious, but it's kind of funny. Um, but then there's like a... It, it's great but it's wild um but i keep thinking about that movie a lot um good times were had (laughs) okay so so yeah that gives me joy um what also gave me joy was uh, watching memento again oh nice you know um it's it's a movie that's kind of like a peeling onion in a way Mm. for me like you always see new little details um that you didn't catch before so it's it's good but we'll you know we'll go more into that in the discussion part you know i i read a comment about memento where somebody said christopher just took the script of this film and just threw it on the ground and how it how it fell was how he just decided to direct this film and (laughs) it was quite interesting to listen to (laughs) um but yeah, let's see if we can make some sense of sense of this uh, movie with a little synopsis. In Christopher Nolan's mind-bending thriller Memento, Leonard Shelby, a man suffering from amnesia, seeks to avenge his wife's murder. 
Due to his condition, Leonard is unable to form new memories, leaving him reliant on a system of notes, Polaroid photographs, and tattoos to keep track of his investigations. The story unfolds in reverse chronological order as Leonard pieces together fragmented clues and encounters a series of enigmatic characters, including the manipulative Teddy and the alluring Natalie. As Leonard's quest progresses, he grapples with the reliability of his own recollections and the blurred line between truth and deception. The film continually challenges the audience's perception of reality, showcasing Nolan's masterful non-linear storytelling. The haunting performances by Guy Pearce as Leonard and Joe Pantoliano as Teddy heighten the film's psychological intensity while its innovative structure leaves viewers constantly questioning the nature of memory, identity, and justice. And we're back. So yeah, that's a movie. Um, you've seen it before, obviously. I would think, Chris. Oh yeah, I've seen it several times. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was probably. I mean, it was this movie, um, uh, the Amelie, that uh, kind of brought me into the love of watching films, uh-huh. uh, because they were very intriguing and very interesting artistic ways of telling stories. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm not gonna show my hands. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's see where the where the the heads or tails falls first. Yeah, that sounds good. What's it gonna be? Heads or tails? I'm gonna go with tails today. Breaking the mold. Tails. I knew it. I, I go with your instinct, like you know, Got like he name. said in the film. Um, <clears throat> you probably have to you know, tattooed on your chest, like in. <laughs> <laughs> backwards every morning it's like go with heads go with tails you know the interesting thing is i don't know whether i want to do the easy route or the difficult one <laughs> i'll go with the difficult one i'm gonna go against this film oh, i have man. a feeling like i have a feeling you have a lot of positive things you want to say about this film and i want to give you the opportunity to that's oh, that's funny because i i kind of felt like the the easier route is is going against it but you know i'm looking forward to what you have to say really okay yeah Let's go there. And the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. Ladies and gentlemen, and whole humans who are listening to this podcast today, I'm going to be talking about Memento, a movie that was so confusing that many studios decided they were not going to go for it because the story seemed extremely complex. A movie that never made, you know, box office acclaim uh, generally because the movie was too complex and a movie whose uh, story is divided into subjective and objective and who tells two viewpoints depending on which story you want to listen to. Um, The story tells a story of our main character who is having a mental crisis and we're we're seeing the character from the subjective view from start to finish. The, the the you know like Johannes said it's like an onion you're peeling the onion and every single scene you get to watch you get to see him start with the question why am I here what am I trying to achieve um and at the end of the movie you know so the interesting thing is the movie is going both forward and back and at the very close to the very end of the film it intersects um and you know it's a complex story I don't think it's for everybody's understanding not a lot of people will understand it but people who do will appreciate the movie for what it is but i think the fact that the barrier to entry is so high 
makes this movie a very difficult watch. Um, and for most people, it could seem incoherent and confusing because if you miss one part of the puzzle, you will never understand the full picture. So that's the argument I'm going to go with. Those are the arguments I am going to go with. All right. Your honor. I think with Memento, we have an interesting showcase of creative storytelling and uh, very unique storytelling. And I don't think it's been done before. And I don't think it's been done after, surprisingly enough. Uh, because, surprisingly, because the the way the story is told is pretty effective. It keeps you engaged. It keeps you surprised. Uh, like Rati said, we have a movie that is both being told from the beginning and from the end. Um, and we're, we're working our way towards the middle of it, joining these two storylines. And uh, the way we can distinguish these two is uh, by color portions and black and white portions. And the brilliance of, of the way it's constructed and going back and forth between the two is that the black and white portions function as exposition. And uh, as Raji said, more of a uh, subjective kind of look into... Um, the story and the color portions are more the engaging stories because that's what we open with and we try to reverse engineer our way into why did he kill this person um and that's that's the engaging part and kind of the part of mystery because we always see chunks of story um but then we, we don't know what led up to it so we're, we're being brought into that and it's unfolding and what the device kind of creates is is a constant like it, it's a two-hour movie that, that is very intriguing because you kind of don't you're disoriented because it's not following narrative conventions um but it's super in intriguing because you're kind of mimicking the uh, condition that uh, lenny has right you you're also living through just chunks of time of like where you know what's going on <laughs> And and that's super fascinating to me. I think it works well, um, and I think it 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 like you said, it's a big puzzle, but it's a it's a puzzle that makes sense um, if you follow the story fully through. It's also a very depressing story if you think about it, um, because at the end of the day, um, what we open a movie with uh, a killing of somebody. It's not the first time this happens, and it's not the second time this happens. Um, and we don't know how, how often this happened, but it's, 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 it's a very tragic story if you think about it. Um, so I think this movie is great. Uh, I would say everybody should watch it at least once. Um, and that's what I'm starting with. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, I've I've always had a view of Christopher Nolan where he makes really good films, but all his movies are incoherent. And this movie, ironically, for me personally, is the most coherent of his films. I don't yeah. think Interstellar is coherent. I don't think Tenet... I think Tenet is the most egregious, most incoherent film he's ever made. But... You could see the seeds of Tenet being um, being made in this film. The interesting thing was when I started watching this movie, because I hadn't seen it, I'd seen Tenet 
you know, I, I I was blown away by Tenet, not because I thought the movie was coherent, but because of the ideas in the film, which is where, you know, Christopher Nolan is good. He's very good with the ideas. But I'd, I'd seen Tenet, and then I came to watch this movie again, and that beginning scene where he, um, time reverses and the gun, the bullet goes back into the gun, it just reminded me of Tenet. And I was like, whoa, this is yeah. Tenet. You know, I slept thinking about that, and I woke up and I was like, did did this movie inspire Tenet? And I found lots of articles of Christopher Nolan talking about how this movie inspired. The fact that I was able to see that from this film kind of gives you the idea that this movie is probably the strong basis for a lot of the films that he's done after, including movies that have to do with time. Um, And all these movies have to do with time, but the way time dilates between uh actions even interstellar had to do with time so it's it's a very strong opening but the problem i had was um this movie had characters where you constantly did not understand their motivation and because you woke up from the perspective of the main character um you you misconstrued their actions um and you misconstrued their motivations because you 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 skew everything was skewed uh, to the perspective of the main character, which is interesting because this is what the director wanted to do. Um, but the, the the interesting thing is, you know, you've seen I've seen it both in chronological and the the director's order, and you can see that the two different stories being told. It's a ma- it's a genius thing to do, but anybody who watches this film uh, and misses any part of it is going to be confused because they're not going to understand what is going on. And I think this is the biggest problem I think this movie has. There's a there's a there's a need for you to be drawn into this movie from the very beginning. Otherwise, you will never understand what this movie is trying to do. And for something that is supposed to be so strong, um, that requires your attention at all times, there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of uninteresting things, a lot of repeated stories that could actually keep you from watching it. It's like, oh, I've seen this piece before. So it's like a scene starts, it ends shortly after the previous scene uh started but sometimes some scenes would give more context to the previous scene um i need to give that one a little bit more light but like i said sometimes the stories are just people having conversations and if the conversations are not interesting to you and you miss a part of it you could miss the whole point of the scene and it would it wouldn't give you enough context about what happened previously um, it's a huge risk for something that is not f- like big on action. It's not something that it's it's just somebody who is losing their mind. If you're not intrigued by the story of Sammy Jenkins, you're not going to get the whole purpose of this film. It's a lot of dialogue um, for a big payoff at the end if you are invested. But if you're not, if you lose a momentary moment where you're not invested in this film this movie could just become a jumbled mess. So that's the biggest problem I have with it. Hmm, let's see. I think there's some truth in, to, to what you say. Um, it's a movie that requires your attention at all times um, because 
we have this non-linear storytelling device. And um, you say there's two different stories, and I agree, but they're also related, right? So you, you like whatever you you get in the black and white parts, inform a lot of the actions that's happening in the color parts because he's he's always trying to enforce this whole you know repetition, repetition, repetition thing um, to to kind of be consistent. And I think that's that's coming from the exposition parts. Um, it's a movie that is. Like I said earlier, it's it's a truly unique movie, and I don't think a movie like this would be made today, with the pacing that we have in this and and kind of the, the speed because it it does require you to be attentive for an hour, almost two hours, right? Um, because yes, there's a lot of detail and a lot of um, things that happen in passing that you may forget, just like Lenny. Um, but there's brilliance in that too, right? Because it is putting you more and more into the shoes of him um, to the point where my, my husband and I had a conversation earlier today and we were thinking of like, we've seen the movie a couple times, but it's like both of us forgot how it ends. <laughs> right. And it's, it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, it lulls you in and you're, you, you, you move through this in these segments of memory loss Um and and you kind of get into it that way, but then you also forget where what it all culminates into. Fascinating, very very fascinating. Um, and then I mean, once once you kind of know it, and you you think more about reactions to him and and like things that people say of like, for for example, you know, um, Teddy. There's a, there's a segment in the color portion where he constantly tries to get the car. It's not important at all, right? But it's um once you know why he wants a car because there's a lot of money in it <laughs> it makes it kind of more interesting kind of fleshes this character out you completely forget about it i think at the end because it's not important and you go backwards so the motivation is not clear but um it, it gets filled in and i think there's a lot to to unravel and if you watch it and, and watch it again um it's it you know you you peel back these layers and uh, it gets even better through that and I think that is very rare for a movie that gets better the more you watch it, um, because you you the, the puzzle is clearer. And uh, for that alone, I think this this movie is great and should be higher on this list. You know, the interesting thing is, I I think that of all the characters that you know Christopher Nolan has written, uh, including um, Heath Ledger's Joker. Leonard Shelby is the strongest character he's had. Um, this movie lives and dies on the strength of Max Shelby as a character. And, you know, if the audience doesn't buy into his, um, his, uh, his, uh, what do you call it? His sickness or his, what, do you, what does he call it in the movie? His uh, condition. Condition, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you don't buy into his condition, uh, this whole movie falls apart. Uh, the fact that he does such a good job of it um, as uh, as this character says a lot about um, the strength of his of Leonard Shelby as a you know as a main character. Um, and I, I think honestly, you know, I mean, we'll talk about it more when we get to the. Uh, to the side, uh, to the sidebar, but I, I do think that you know the strongest argument you can have against this film is the fact that you know everything lives and dies by 
the character of um, Shelby, Leonard Shelby. And, you know, the interesting thing is he's a very difficult character to love. He's interesting to watch, but he's difficult to like. Um, And honestly, if you go in and you're not particularly intrigued or like him as a character, you're going you're gonna to lose focus. And and every single scene, he's relying on notes. But the audience is clued in very early that these notes are not reliable. Everybody, it's like he has, he claims he has a system. But the fact is, within the first few minutes of the film, after the first shot, you know, you can tell that, you know, this this guy's system is unreliable. Now, the question is, can you buy into the character enough to follow where this is going to go? Um, and the fact that we see all the characters from the wrong perspective initially makes it very interesting to watch. But, you know, I, I, there's not much you can say beyond that for me. Um, and I, I think that I'll just be rambling and saying the same thing over and over again, but you know, my perspective about why this movie is not so great, um, or why you could construe this movie to be not so great. Um, I, I, I'm curious to know if you have any more positive points you wanted to make about this. Um, like, I think the system is not perfect. True. Um. I think the like one other positive, and I think I alluded to that before, but uh, we don't know how long this has been ongoing, right? But I think we can get some clues uh, through the tattoos that are all, here's a lot of them, and they're all healed. And that takes a, takes a minute, right? So um, this has been going on for quite a while, I would think. So it's, uh, what I find fascinating and in a way that's that's a positive right it it's very likely that this this character that we sympathize with because he has this condition that you know sucks and you kind of get through that experience but at the end of the day this is kind of a serial killer right and we don't know for like how many people he has killed but probably quite a few because we go into these loops right and I think there's something compelling there to think about um, how you can twist a character that is so unredeemable into somebody that you sympathize with extensively because you see how he's abused. But he's also doing so many bad things. But he doesn't know any better, right? So so I, I think morally there's something very interesting in this. Um, that's another layer of the onion um, that that really kind of warrants another viewing if you wanted to to kind of look at that and kind of look at the morality of how others interact with him and what, what they get out of it um, and kind of ignorance is bliss of, of his character but he tries desperately to to get to his own one goal um, unbeknownst to him like he's achieved that goal multiple times Um it's it's fascinating. In that I think that you can. The problem is you can only achieve the goal once, and he has achieved the goal a long time ago. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, which brings the end of the movie into perfect view. Um, and, you know, if you're ready to go to the sidebar, I can talk sure. about that perspective. Overruled! Sidebar! Guilty! Speculation! Hearsay! Bailiff! Briefcase! Disregard! In my chamber! Stop Beaver on the witness! Arrest! We could totally be lawyers. Okay, sidebar we're in. Um, the end of the movie is what gives this movie the strongest... Uh, it's the movie that puts this whole movie into context. I think when you watch this movie for the first time, you see characters uh, who seem to be mean to the main character that we have. You know, Natalie spit in the drink, uh, spat in the drink and gave him the drink to drink. Um, she hit all the pens. Um, she gave him Teddy's name. Um, he kills Teddy. We get the perspective that, oh, everybody's using Leonard to achieve their aims. Teddy seems to be a crook, crooked cop. He needs the money in the back of the car. He gives guy, uh, Leonard Jimmy's name. Jimmy gets killed. He's never able to get the money. So everybody seems to be seeing things do using Leonard to get what they want. But then the end of the movie flips that whole thing on its head. And I think this is the genius of the film because we realize that Leonard is using everybody to do what he wants. He's creating this reality that he wants to believe. Every single time he gets to the end of the story, he creates a new puzzle for himself and he uses this folks to solve a puzzle. He's been looking for John G's. He's not the only first John G he's killed. He's killed many John G's. Um, and the fact that he's killed so many John G's means that he's been doing this for a long time. And every time he gets to the end of the story, he creates a new one. You know, he doesn't want to live with the reality that he's killed his wife. He doesn't want to live with the reality that he kills people. I mean, the fact that he said it's better to be in a a rich man's suit than a killer's clothing uh, after he killed Jimmy. It kind of cues you in that he's he knows what he's doing and he burns the photograph so that he doesn't remember that he's a killer. Uh, and then he acts innocent. I, I think that, you know, Sammy's story kind of gives a cue into why this is happening because one of the interesting things they said about Sammy is that um, the thing that Sammy is dealing with is not just mental illness. It's also a, uh, a psych. He's personally doing it to himself. Not that he's faking it, but he's creating a reality for himself. So he does have the short-term memory problems, but he's having a psychological problem on top of it. So he doesn't create memories he doesn't want to. And then everything becomes amenable so when you watch the movie in the correct order you see that he's just a diabolical serial killer who kills people for fun and then he gets finds a new excuse to kill a new person he creates a new puzzle but then when you watch it the other way around he's just a guy who forgets his memory and every using everybody's using him to achieve their own goals and i think that's the genius of the film but mm -hmm. are you going to be patient enough to watch this movie for what it is. And that's the problem. I, 
one thing I I thought of when I watched this and thought about things to speak against is that um, as a lot of Christopher Nolan movies, it thinks it's smarter than it is, right? Like it's it's kind of a shtick and it, kind of like Tenet. It's an interesting point you brought with Tenet because it it almost feels like Tenet is the logical like um, continuation of this, where you you're not telling the story in two arcs going towards the middle, but now you're you're telling the story simultaneously, right? Uh, and everything is happening at the same time. Um, fascinating idea, but also smarter thinks it's smarter than it actually is. Um, with this, the main problem that was apparent to me was that his memory loss is very convenient um to to hit story beats um and it gets more apparent the closer we get to the end uh largely around natalie interestingly enough you brought up that she um spat in his drink um you know and, and he conveniently for, forgot it uh there are three segments three or four segments with her um where it feels like she knows exactly when when he will be losing his memory um because then she acts in the next segment she acts like uh, she got beat up by somebody even though she got beat up by him or um the drink thing um or she sees him in in the car of uh, her partner and addresses him as her partner first and is surprised but then he forgets about that right so the the problem is there have been other instances in this movie where his memory loss is not a matter of minutes, but a matter of hours, right? Like he goes to the hotel, gets a room, um, rents an escort, does the whole thing. She slams the door and then the loop recycles, right? So I think arguably that's at least an hour, if not two, right? But then we have multiple segments with Natalie uh, where things happen in a span of five minutes, and she's very reliably able to tell, oh, when I do this, he's he's not going to remember what I'm going to do or what I did before. And that's a problem because it's um, inconsistent, right? It's not noticeable because you're kind of lulled into the story and it's, it's, it's compelling. And you think about like, oh, that's horrible what she's doing. She's using him. But if you think about it too much... Or even further, not too much, but you know, if you if you think about it for a second, it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense because how would she be able to tell if he was able to remember or not um, at that exact moment? Um, and that's that's kind of a problem, like um, conceptually, I think, uh, because he needed to hit these story beats, but uh, he was not able to work them in in a convincing enough manner for me. The uh, upon you know second third viewing. Go ahead. Um, you know the the interesting thing about the point you just made up, uh, you just brought up was that I I saw that, but I'm not entirely. The problem is I don't know, I don't know. So we see um the fact that he hired a an escort and tells her exactly what to do. He gives her toys or whatever to put in the room to make him think that this was the room he grew up in. We don't know how long she was in the room with him. Um, we don't know if it was 30 minutes or an hour. We don't know if it was three hours, five hours. We don't know how long. I think the problem, I, I know your argument that you're trying to make, but the truth about it is because we have such an unreliable narrator, I, we don't know exactly how long 
because when he goes into the bathroom, he doesn't know who she is. Um, right, right. But, but you know, leading but, up to it, like we 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 always have to take this movie as the segments that are presented to us, right? Mm-hmm. And the segments are kind of representing um, the um, sequences of memory that he has at any given mm-hmm. time. Um, but but the problem is that within these segments, there's time. It's not real time, mm. but in some of them, it it kind of is, right? Like the the arguments with Natalie, um, or when he's at the bar with Natalie, there are segments that are almost real time, right? He mm-hmm. he goes into the bar, they have a discussion, um, he then sits down, cut to black and white, and then we come back. Oh, you know, he goes in, she spits in a drink, he sits down, cut to black and white, coming back. You know, and then and, uh, so so there are segments that are in real time, then and then there are segments that are not, like mm-hmm. the one with with the prostitute. Um, but we still have to take them as the segment of uh, consciousness in a way, or like mm. logical consciousness for him. Um, but that opens up the ambiguity of like, okay, so so you know, does he have bouts of 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 that awareness for hours? Or minutes does it vary uh, is it triggered by loud noises because that is kind of a current theme that happens but then there's loud noises everywhere right so um again i understand like like from from a construction and narrative standpoint it makes sense to to have these beats and then towards the the finale of it all to to kind of you know see like she's in it to get something out of it but it's also she sees that he killed her boyfriend right but she's still without missing a beat she's she's like running with it which is also we don't know much why why that is but I, i'm just saying that it's it's inconsistent in how um, his condition is treated and that's a problem i think i think i think i think that i agree with you to a, to a, a certain extent i do think that it's somewhat inconsistent um but I don't, I, it's like the problem is I don't know to what extent, because like you said, all she's had to do is sit down in a car for like a few minutes, come in and this guy's forgotten. But then the whole scenario with the, you know, the lady of the night could, you could misconstrue it just, just something else. Um, I will say one of the interesting things about Christopher Nolan films is the when he works with Jonathan uh, Nolan, you generally get a better film. Um, let's look at, you know, Memento was with Jonathan. The Prestige, one of your favorite movies, was with Jonathan. The Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight was with Jonathan. But then you get Tenet, which was a Christopher Nolan film, which is a little bit confusing. Um, so it's almost like working with Jonathan helps him iron out some of the major ideas that he wants to bring in. But when he doesn't work with Jonathan, you get movies like Dunkirk, which are (laughs) quite interesting for what they're trying. All these movies are about time. Uh, But I think that um, the main arbiter of it uh, is Jonathan and the fact that he doesn't, participate kind of makes the movie weak. So I don't know. I don't know if there's any conversation or debate about the effects of Jonathan on some of his films. Um, 
but I I do think it's quite interesting. It's almost I like was, like you know when when you say that it's almost like Jonathan is is kind of the voice of reason to a degree, you know where mm. he's not where Christopher Nolan seems to work off of I have this idea, right? Tenet is how about we tell a story in a forward and a reverse at the same time. <clears throat> that's that's the idea, and then they'll figure it out. Um, but then it almost sounds like Jonathan, as the voice of reason, is like, okay, but what does this actually mean, right? <laughs> like, what, yeah. how can we make this in a in a coherent and like a story that that it's in coherent. of itself makes sense, right? Again, Memento, when you watch it, it makes sense. It's fine. Right, like it's uh, you're you're really suckered into the whole thing, and that's great, right? Because it's such a good experience. But then you think about it a little more, and then it's like, wait a minute, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense if you if you analyze it a little more, right? Um, mm. And again, that that's that's coming from it thinks it's smarter than it is. It's not, right? It's it's a story that is told from the it's a linear story that is essentially chopped off and culminates in the in the middle of it. Um, I need to watch it, and in, in you saw you saw it in in a linear chronological fashion, order. Yeah, um, that must be an interesting experience, different, and probably not as like the the emotional beats are probably not hitting right, right? Because they're all kind of centered around culminating in the middle. Mm. But I don't know. I think that if you watch it, I mean, when you watch it in chronological order, you would you would understand why I think the movie is genius because you get a totally different perspective about the film. Um, a lot of the scenes that you see that you thought that people were manipulating him, you would see that he was manipulating them. And that very last scene where he burns the picture after he, you know, shoots, um, G when he shoots Jimmy, um, it becomes a totally different context because, you know, um, Teddy's trying to get him to leave. Like, hey, <laughs> I've been helping you for years. You're doing so many bad things here, man. You need to go. Natalie is manipulating you. Natalie, the interesting thing about it is, Natalie, it's like when you see it the first time from that perspective, you see how mean she seems to be. But when you watch it in chronological order, you realize that Natalie doesn't know who this guy is. He drives in in her boyfriend's car, wearing her boyfriend's suit. Natalie is a survivor. So she gets an immediate picture of what's going on. Like she, you know, the first time we see her, she leans into the car, goes, hey, Jimmy. And she sees somebody else dressed in her boyfriend's clothes. And she instantly knows what's going on. And then she's like spitting in his drink, like, oh, you, you bozo, you, you've killed my boyfriend. And then, you know, she doesn't let him drink it. That is the that's the interesting thing. So she's compassionate. She anyway, watch the movie in chronological order. You will see like this movie is totally different uh than uh than what you think. Um and I think you'd get a you get a different perspective about the film. I think the movie is really very good. I think the yeah. movie so it's like it's not the first movie that dealt with time um the way the way this movie deals with time with different but it's the most unique um um what do you call it uh what's the name of this director uh quentin tarantino did it too uh when he was um when he was doing pulp fiction 
he did Pulp Fiction from different time perspectives and you had to piece, put, put all of those uh, things together to get a full picture of what the story was trying to say. Um, and and time dilation in the film means the different stories were running at different times. So it's not the most, it's not the first film that did it, this, uh, that did a movie with time like this, but I will say it's the most unique um, and the fact that you can watch the movie in different perspectives and what and get a totally different view is something that even if you watch Pulp Fiction, you're not going to get a totally different perspective. The characters are stagnant within the, just the timeline. Memento gives you a different perspective, and I think that's the genius of it. Yep, yep, I agree. Um, very unique film, and highly recommend to watch it. All right. Speaking of uh, recommending to watch something for next episode, we need to watch Django Unchained. Yeah, ironic that I'm. Uh, I just brought it up. You know, I, right. I, I watched Django. <laughs> I, I brought. Uh, I brought Django Unchained. I watched Django Unchained. Uh, Unchained in uh, in Stockton the first time. I was living in Sacramento at that point. And I wanted to watch the movie, but I was like, I want to go to the most appropriate movie cinema to watch. So I drove to Stockton to watch it, and it was a really good experience. Um, Because (laughs) what I was hoping to, the reactions I was expecting is what the reactions I got were. So it's a very interesting film. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. I saw it in the theater in Oakland, uh, Grand Lake. So, what was the what was the reaction in the theater like for that? Wild, I mean, good, like, very positive, right? Like a, I think Tarantino movies are always kind of revered and, and loved. But yeah, no, it's good. I think it gives it. They give anyway. We can't talk too much about the film, but I've always think the Tarantino films are fantasy movies that give the audience what they want, how they want history to really be told, and uh, this was one that. I think kind of resonated with a lot of black people. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yep. Cool. Looking forward to that one until then though, where can people find us? I think they can find us on movie image trial on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And they can also send us an e- email to contact at movie or check out our website, movie and that Johannes them. built, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yes. Well, uh, have a good rest of your day, everybody. And uh, here's soon. Cheers. <laughs>